This is John. This is Danny. Welcome to Do You Know. Do You Know. So uh, what's going on? So Britney Spears' conservatory might be ending after 14 years. Basically, her father has been in charge mm -hmm. of her like empire. Because she's been working in Vegas, making millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. And she hasn't been able to make any decisions on her own. And now a judge is going to rule whether it's okay for her to be done with. Because she had that like insane period. Remember, she was shaving her head and the whole thing. That was like when she lost her kid. Right. So Brittany, so she, she started out like working for like Disney. Right. Okay, then she was like a huge, you know, 90s, 2000s, you know, like star, dated like all the celebrities. Interesting about Britney Spears, <clears throat> I worked at a restaurant. She'd come in with her bodyguard. Yeah. And a bodyguard named Rob. And she would sit at the table. I would be at, I worked at the restaurant, I was a bartender, I used to be at the bar. He would hang out at the bar. He'd pretty much drink uh, like Dr. Cream sodas. And then just basically kind of shoot the, you know, the, the crap about what's going on in Hollywood with me. Hmm. And it was kind of cool. And then, you know, occasionally, uh, like he'd order food or whatever. And then Brittany would uh, pay for it and then tip me anywhere from like 50 to like 200 bucks. Wow. Like every time. So like he would just sit there, just whatever he wants and then like it's like she'd stop by just like here like take that's for for whatever he had nice yeah so it was, it was kind of cool so like I, I've met her I met her sister um, and then again him and then I've seen her with other people like but I didn't actually meet them like I saw her with like uh, Justin Timberlake before yeah and other people but you know at that time I, I mean you know I'm, it wasn't like I had a, a dialogue with her right so her dad has been running the empire based on what? Well, you know, it's a little... That's why they want to end the conservatorship. Because it seems like the manager and the dad have a vested interest in having her be under this conservatorship. Because they make money running the conservatorship. They have like a salary they pull. They get a salary they pull. So the longer the conservatorship runs... So based on what, supposedly her un being unable to make her own decisions, being able to make adult decisions. Yeah, but she like could tour the world and write music and right. have kids. And, yeah. And she's done a lot of things that adults do. Yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, it's like, and you know, it's, it's a very interesting how people get put into facilities when money is at stake because you know you just need to have the right paperwork nowadays you know it's like it's not like it was in the old days where you know you, you were like a raving lunatic and you know you, you were like spittle was coming out of your mouth your <laughs> eyes were crossed now it's like you just get the right document signed and boom you're you're committed like power of attorney power of attorney that happens a lot to elderly people yeah. where they have everything and then someone comes in, a friend, family member, whatever. Yeah. And before you know it, they're like, oh, that person's crazy. That right. person can't take care of themselves. Yeah. And they do whatever they have to do. They get the power of attorney. And now all of a sudden, all of their stuff is theirs. Their right. house and all their stuff. It's very shady. It's I think that's like elder abuse, too. At a certain point. Yeah. You know, if you can get deep enough in it. But, you know, there's no moral compass when it comes sometimes to money. You know, it's like the, and now we're going to need a lot of it with the inflation. I mean, did you hear about this? No. So I guess, uh, 
Biden is trying to say, don't worry. He's trying to put in place something to slow it down, but we're rapidly uh, starting to inflate. And we're going to see this time next year, maybe almost a double in rents and cost for goods. Double, huh? I mean, it seems like it's going up high. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. They say if, if it continued at the rate, I mean, the rate we're going. Sure. I guess it went up. I don't have the number in front of me, but it, it was a substantial number that if it doubled at that number every month, right, it followed that trajectory, this time next year, we would be twice what we're paying now for everything. It'd be, it would be a significant number. Yeah. So is that because of um, all the, the free money? That was given out? You think so? All the stimulus money? <clears throat> I mean, you can't give, a, give away trillions of dollars and then think that there's no accountability. Right. I mean, gas prices jumped pretty much a dollar right when he got in office. Right. Gas prices are right now a penny under the all-time high in California. It's like $4.66 mm-hmm. for those people living outside of California. That's, that's pretty high. Yeah, and I mean, what, what is in place to stop it from just being $10? Like, I was thinking about that today. It's like, I mean, imagine you went to go get a bottle of water. And I'm not saying everyone does that, but you're going to get a case of water. Everyone feels they need water. How if cases of water were just like 20 bucks? Yeah. And it's not that premium stuff. It's not that Fiji. Right. You know what I mean? You're paying $10 for Kroger. For Kroger. Kroger. Just tap water with a, a little mint spit in it or whatever they do. They <laughs> freshen it up. <laughs> mint squirt. Right. I mean, what are we going to do when that happens? I mean, we have so many homeless right now. <clears throat> Imagine if the rate doubled where the rents are. I mean, they're already, I think, all-time highs. Yeah. I mean, it's just wild to think about. It couldn't double, though, because people... That would create more homeless. I mean, right now, the mayor of Los Angeles is running on a platform that says homelessness is our number one priority. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine that? That's, that's their number one priority. There's the economy. There's COVID. There, you know what I'm saying? There's all kinds of different things going on, but they're saying homelessness. So if they doubled rents, people would be out. Or or the other option is people just wouldn't pay and they'd become squatters. So squatters would become the number one priority because people would just say, I'm not leaving. And, and landlords would basically lose all of the income that they were getting from the rental property. I mean, I've been reading a lot of stories about squatters actually recently. And one, um, one thing that keeps coming up is how squatters move into an elderly person's house and that person passes away and they don't report it. So they either dismember the body wow. or they bury it and then they continue to live in that home as if that person is on a trip, that person's at the store, They'll be back later. They're sleeping, that kind of thing. Yeah. And they're able to run it for however many months to years before finally there could be an investigation or a family member or whatnot. But typically, 
the police don't really investigate that unless there's enough missing person reports. So imagine, I mean, a lot of people when they get older, they don't have a huge network around them, right? And then you have people who can come in, take advantage, and then basically pretend that you're still alive. <laughs> yeah. Um, that would be... Well, you know, that would be... If my death could benefit someone and give them a place to live, hey, man, you know what? I went out like a hero. That's you how did, I look at it. You also that you hurt your the other side of the family. I see. You see, like your kids, because they wouldn't be able to sell the property and get the the benefits or anything. Celebrate your life. They wouldn't even know you're gone. I see. Oh, right. Because oh, oh, I see. No one would know. So no one knows because they're like you're at the store. Okay, I I, mi- I missed. Right. Now I'm connecting the right. dots. You're basically... Okay. So they're saying he's at the store, he's in the bathroom, he's alive. Right. I see. Well, you know what? Still, though, eventually they're going to find out. I mean, it can't go on forever. So, so what if I'm found seven years later? You know what? My dead Dismembered, body... Dismembered, buried in the backyard. Right. <laughs> right. I just read about this. Literally, they dismembered and buried him in the backyard. Right. And they're living there, and their defense is, well, we didn't have anywhere to go. Hey, man. We didn't kill them. That was the other thing. We didn't kill them. They died naturally. Right. We just gave them a proper burial. Is that illegal? Can you be arrested for um, dismembering a dead body? Like... I think that's... Absolutely. That's illegal, right? It's illegal. Okay. Absolutely, yeah, that's illegal. (laughs) Especially something that you're not related to. Right. Like, I don't know how it would work if, like, let's say you were married for, whatever, 90 years. Yeah. Your spouse passed away. You gave your spouse a burial in the backyard. I don't know if that would be illegal. I mean, you'd have to report it. But you would say after they do whatever, you know, look into the body, they say, oh, it's natural. And they ask, well, what are we going to do with the body? And you say, oh, I want to have a burial in the backyard. Right. I don't know if that's illegal. I don't think that's illegal. Maybe because of like rats and um, fleas or what, you know, I don't know like what bugs come around dead bodies, but it's probably illegal because of the biohazard. Not because it's like... uh, unethical to mm-hmm. bury in the backyard because people used to bury people in the backyard all the time. They put like a that little cross or a little, you know, Jewish star. You see or, it on the hill when you go for a drive. You see all yeah. these little crosses. I assume there's people buried there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why else would there be? Or sometimes right. you see that white bike. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And I'm like, they probably got hit by a bike. They probably buried him there. Right. Or the candles on the corner, you know, yeah. Right. Okay. Like, uh, yeah, with like Jesus on them. Right. I remember, uh, yeah, there was a time I was down near uh, Vermont and 50th along. Yeah. And that area, every day there'd be a vigil. The next day you'd come out, candles. Every day, like everything would close at like 8 p.m. Like literally like close, close. Like where they put the iron gates down and everything. Yeah. Then there'd be just like gunfire. Like it was just nuts. This is by near USC. Yeah. And then the next day you'd get up. And you go, I had a girlfriend, we, we'd go, we'd go get uh, pupuserias, right? That was the big thing in that area. Salvadorian food. Yeah. Yeah. And then you would have uh, just 
vigils, just candles and, and people crying and, and stuff. And I was like, man, this is like such a tough area. Yeah. Wow. Like, you want to talk about straight dogs, like straight animals just running around? Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Very Latin America. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's how it is. Like in Mexico, that's how it is. I lived in Mexico for a while. I, I remember once driving into Mexico and seeing a stray dog at the Alto yeah. stop sign. Yeah. So it was Alto on it. Right. That was interesting. I, I thought it was a good idea to drive in. I know. I, we made a similar like uh, judgment call, uh, Elena and I, when we had a, a rental car. And we didn't know that you had to have different insurance in Mexico. So luckily nothing happened. So right. there's, no, there's no payoff to the story other than things could have gone a lot different. Yeah, no, me too. I mean, yeah, I had no idea. I just was like, they made it so easy to drive in. Right. But the They're driving, like, welcome. Out, yeah. yeah. The driving out part. Right. A little more complicated. Yeah. A little more complicated. Yeah. I was like, I think I was like 17. And, um, and I, had a, I had a driver's license and stuff, but... For some reason, um, there was like a case of beer in my trunk, okay? And it happened, it wasn't mine or my friend's. And it was so hard trying to explain. How a phantom case of beer got in How trunk. it's not our beer. <laughs> it's not mine. <laughs> it's not our sure, beer. Sure, that's what they all say. And I was trying to explain, it's, it's my mom's car also, ah. you know? And it maybe is her beers. Right. Eventually, maybe. <laughs> eventually, they uh, they allowed because the registration had her name on it. Yeah, they gave me the benefit of the doubt at the end. Oh, that's cool. And they wanted to almost keep my friend. I had a friend in the car who didn't have a driver's license. Yeah, he had like a passport. The passport was expired, and the picture of him was as a child. Oh. And they were like, "That's not you." <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "No, this is me." Right. They're like, no, that's not you. Just give us the documents. Yeah. It's like, I don't have any documents. Like, I just came with these guys. They're like, you're going to have a problem. You know, you're not going to let you go out of the country. Yeah. You, you maybe you cannot go. They thought he's like an illegal trying to escape. Trying to cross. Yeah. Trying to cross, whatever. <laughs> escape Alcatraz. <laughs> yeah, anyway, it was fun. But yeah, after that experience, I was like, I'm never going to drive into Mexico again. Yeah. I never do that again. No. No, that's a that's a mistake we won't make again. I mean, like I said, nothing happened, but it's just the way people drove was also like not very friendly. Like there's was, no lights. There was no right. lights. And it's like an intersection will have like nine different yeah. ways that the lanes are going. Yeah, it's very hectic. I remember trying to do a U turn and it's all gravel and it was drizzling. And my car literally did like a three sixty spin. Like it was like a movie and everyone's like, Oh, like screaming and we're like ah! right. and then anyway no one hit us but I was like man a lot of unnecessary risk to get this uh, you know it's orange juice like 7 in the morning <laughs> <laughs> 200 pesos for like breakfast right. it's like nothing I know it's like $2 you know yeah. like eggs and orange juice that was like the highlight of the trip there to uh, Tijuana yeah we didn't do anything else fun. By the time we got there, we drove through the middle of the night. I mean, by the time we actually got there, it was like early morning. And there was like nothing to do. Like papas and beers, like everything was closed. And what's funny is everything you would have to be 18. I'm 17. Mm. 
So it's like I, I was off a year. Yeah. For some reason I thought I could go at 17, that it wouldn't be a problem. Right. It was a problem. And everything was close. So. Double strike. Yeah. It's like it reminds me when I was in high school, we took a trip to Vegas once. And we were like, we were like 19. Or not even. We were like 18. Same thing. Go to Vegas. What are you going to do? You're 18 years old. Yeah. It's like go to Denny's. <laughs> go to Circus Circus. We walked around. We yeah, acrobats. Yeah, we like basically walked around. You know, I think I had a buddy who was who was under twenty one who was allowed to uh, you know change twenty bucks and played a few hands, got away with it. You know, but it okay. was like, but if we were like, dude, if you really win, they're gonna card you. You're not getting anything. Yeah, and you're dead. You basically just donated twenty bucks because if you win, even in our mind, it was like even if you win a hundred, they're gonna figure you out. Yeah. Like, best case scenario, you get your twenty back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're the winner. You're even. Right. Yeah. Any other good uh, trips when you were a teenager? Um, you know what? I remember going up north to Union City and crawfishing. Like, that was like a highlight of my um, existence, you know, because I, I made a lot of trips. Like, I went to Mexico and went to Spain and, you know, we, we did trips to like New York and stuff, but in Vegas, but... I mean, Union City, when I was a teenager, was like the center of my world, man. Because it was, it was my cousins, and it was my uncle and aunt. Mm-hmm. And there was just something about getting up at 4 a.m. and getting these, like, bear claws that you would eat. And then you would pick blackberries, and you would, like, put these baskets in the water to pull the crawfish out. And it was, like, all this manual labor. Mm-hmm. And then at the end... You would cover the table in heaps of crawfish after boiling them. And it was like you ate your... So it was like farming for a day and being able to eat your harvest. Oh, wow. So it was such a like rewarding experience. And I never really had luck with fishing. Mm -hmm. So this was like the equivalent of fishing because you could definitely catch them. Like they they were stupid. They just went to the meat and you just pull them up. Fish are a lot more smart. And I can't really catch them on a hook, you know. But you need a baseball bat. You just right. In the head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the shallow water. So yeah, I'd say Union City when I was a. When That's I was cool, a kid. man. Union City. You know, I, when I hear Union, I always think of train, like a train. Right. You know, so Union City, it's like it must be full of trains. I don't know why it's called that, but there's no trains. No. Maybe it's just unions. Yeah, maybe they're <laughs> just like united. Right. It's like the truckers. And the, right. Yeah, unions, they're dying out. Yeah, well, actually, so I'm a security guard now, and I got in the mail the fact that I'm now a part of a union. And I got a little card that says, read this if you get interviewed by your company for any disciplinary actions. And it says, like, you know, uh, I don't want to speak unless I have my attorney present, and et cetera. So I've never been part of a union before. Oh, wow. This is actually pretty cool. So it's like firefighters and security personnel. It's a union of all those people in California. And apparently they look after our best interests and make sure we're paid well and make sure we're not terminated for any undue course. Oh, cool. And how much do they want you to pay them every year? 
I think it was taken care of by the first job that I had because they basically signed me up for like all these things like CPR class and the union and, and all these things. They just took care of it. Oh, cool. They paid all your dues. Yeah, they paid all my dues. So I'm really glad that I went through the first business. Yeah. You know? That's great. And, um, and now I'm in the second one, which is a little more unprofessional. Like they, everything's uh, written in paper and pen. Like, they want you to fax in your timesheet. It's not electronic. Mm. I When I was filling out my employment forms, it wasn't online. It was, like, handwritten, and then I had to take pictures of it and text it in. So mm. it's very old school, the way that they do things. But um, I think the person is okay. Like, my supervisor seems like an okay guy, so I don't mind the company being a little behind, as long as I'm paid, you know, and they don't have direct deposit. So I'm going to have a check mailed to me by FedEx on, on, a, on a weekend. Oh, okay. You know, to have it. So, you know, it, it's, it's interesting They're to have... They're giving you some errands. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's interesting to have a breath of fresh air of going back in time a little bit. Um, I'll be able to show the kids, like, what a paycheck looks like. You yeah. Know? As you take a picture of it and upload it into your bank account. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I wonder where, where is a fax machine, though. I, you know, I, I don't know, like, what they expect. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know who has a fax machine anymore. But basically, you can also email. So you just oh, yeah, take you a know. picture, attach it to the email, and then you're good to go. That know? would make more sense, an email. Yeah. Fax machine. I mean, yeah, you'd be waiting for that nut, for the thing to beep. And I don't even remember how you do it. I think it's face down. And I don't know. Remember fax machines? They used the yeah. toners and yeah. papers. I mean, yeah, that was a big thing. Yeah, I think like um, I think your phone might even have an app that does faxing. I think because the the picture that you take is digital information, so there should be an app that converts it into a fax that you can dial by phone. There should be interesting something yeah. like that instead of being, having to purchase like a literal machine that sits and collects dust because you fax like once a month something right you need to get a you need a number for it right fax number i think right but they would need to have a fax i mean i'm just saying there's a lot of things that have to go right (laughs) (laughs) for you to get paid (laughs) right so anyways i i think like the fact that i'm part of a union um made me feel a little cool man it made me feel like wow you know i'm like i'm part of a union like awesome nice Yeah, yeah i mean they're they're kind of the staple of of the American, you know, labor force. Right. And the unions came in to protect workers, you know, from the factories and from all the, basically, because you had so many immigrants, you know, in our country. Yeah. The unions came in as kind of like a way to protect them. And then it was like, then the, some of the unions started um, being paid off, you know, and so certain people, you know, would go to the other side, to the dark side. Yeah. For payments, but... In Vegas, it's all the casinos are pretty much unionized at this point. Yeah. But I always felt like our unions weren't very strong in Vegas. So even though um, they had big titles, you know, they were like, oh, this is the part of the TWA trucker union now. You know, it was like big titles. But I felt like when it came down to, you know, things like wages, stealing, they were stealing tips, there was like sexual harassment, like all these different things were happening. Yeah. Union was kind of like, well, you got to get a lawyer. 
you gotta do this. You know, it was like they uh, weren't really stepping in um, at that time that I that I saw. I mean, you know, eventually things were settled, which is good. I mean, I don't think you know they were necessarily settled for the right amount of money, but things were settled, and you know, there was a lot of apologies and and stuff that went wrong. That now I think they're they're starting to go in the right direction, right? With having that uh, you know, transparency of of what they're doing. Yeah. You know, but it's it's just interesting times. So is this considered Santa Ana right now? Winds? You mean the winds? Yeah, this is these are the Santa Ana winds. I'm sneezing a lot. It's warm. Um, it's it's heavy winds at night. So these are the Santa. These are called the Santa Ana winds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is uh, say this is probably like the worst weather in my opinion. Yeah, because it's like hot and. I guess maybe that's why they're out cutting the trees because it's higher fire risk. Yeah. You have the warm air blowing and if something happens, you know, all this shrubbery. Yeah, you know, it goes up. Catch up. Yeah. Today they were basically cutting trees um, from like early in the morning, just chainsaws. And I mean, it was and with the combination of the hot winds and yeah, so it's been a rough day. Say the <laughs> least. That's good. Yeah. Anything else? Oh, do we have the book of questions? Yeah, so we found the book of questions. So we're going to retire the book of schmooze for now. And um, we're going to go ahead and do something. So here we go. All right. What is your most treasured memory? My most treasured memory is when uh, my family and I went to Disneyland. And we ended up doing like a photo shoot kind of thing at Disneyland. And we were on what looked like the Disneyland Express. And we all had like kind of like clothing that reminded me of like the 30s kind of. Yeah. Like scarves and, and stuff like that and poses. And that was actually uh, a surprise on that trip also where my mom for the first time had said as a surprise she's going to give us all... Disneyland passes. Ah. And I still remember that because that was something that was like mind blowing at that time. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. How about you? Um, it would have to be the first time I saw Elena because she didn't see me. I saw her in the hallway mm -hmm. and I heard a voice in my head say, you will know her for the rest of your life. So... Um, I didn't see her for another year after that, but I remember so clearly like where she was, the, the hallway, the way it looked, um, the voice, um, just it being like out of the blue, you know, and just, um, I remember just telling that story, um, you know, in terms of like me meeting her like a year later and going like, oh wow, like that's, this is it. This is the girl, you know? Wow. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. We have an email for our uh, listeners, but I'm not sure if they're getting it clearly. <laughs> so it's let's go slow. Okay, so it's do you know with John and Dan, and that's and with a n d at gmail dot com. Yeah. Now, um, we do have the comment section on uh, our Facebooks, so if you want to answer any of these questions. Feel free. Yeah. Feel free. And I think in the next week or so, we should have the uh, Twitter and different stuff at some point in the near future. Do we want to ask something for the listeners? 
Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Um, here we go. On a busy street, you are approached apologetically by a well-dressed stranger who asks for a dollar to catch a bus and make a phone call. He says he has lost his wallet. What would you do? If approached in the same way by a haggard-looking stranger claiming to be hungry and unable to find a job, what would you do? Hmm, that's a good one. I mean, I mean, we got to put it into relative context, right? Right. No one's making a phone call. Right, uh, yeah, this is an older book. Right, and um, no one's getting a meal for a dollar <laughs> now. It's more like a $10 meal now. Right. But, um... People still ask for a quarter, though. They'll still ask you for, like, a dollar and a quarter. Like, it, like inflation hasn't hit the homeless. They're not asking for $5. Well, they ask for anything. Right. Any amount. No, but they'll, they'll say, like, hey, do you have a dollar? Or, like, hey, do you have a quarter? Like, they'll, like when I pass by, that's what I get asked. Really? Yeah. So, like, I always inflation have hasn't spare come change. Up. Oh, okay. Do you have spare change? Oh, okay. Um, but I think... Yeah, but I know what you're saying. I understand. Yeah, the inflation market maybe hasn't hit them. Because it's kind of hard to, like, ask for what a meal costs now, which is $5. Like, hey, do you have $5 for a meal? <laughs> right, or maybe you're, a, you're a gluten-free. I guess we should ask that. So, I guess, suppose a well-dressed stranger asks for $5. You tell them to beat it. Right. Because they're well-dressed. Right. And if, and if someone was haggard looking, some people are going to be turned off. You because would say, gonna... I don't carry cash. Right. I mean, we've created a world where it's hard to help people unless they have a Zelle. One time a guy said, I take uh, ATM cards. <laughs> yeah, he believed it. <laughs> and he asked him, how do you pay the processing fee? He had a, a, he had a satellite... ATM on him. This was in Venice, by the way. This was the guy who um, he roller skates and plays the guitar. Oh, about with the hair. And yeah, he, he plays the guitar, and he, he. I was like, I don't have any money, and he's like, That's okay. I take ATM. I think he passed away not too long ago. Oh wow! I think he did. That's too bad. Yeah, no, I, yeah, he's he was like a, a staple of Venice. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, because he would take uh, tips for playing guitar. Right. Right. So yeah, so he was probably one of the first I could take credit card yeah it was like a satellite thing and he just had it around his like shoulder would that be a service that people would buy like let's say we created an app that allowed you to accept payments from people so like it wasn't just like a paypal or zelle but like literally they could just touch their phone to it or whatever and put a dollar or five dollars and would just go right in your account like it'd be a cash situation be like cash app yeah but without all the details. It'd be just cash app, but it goes right to whatever number you want to put on there. Well, see, the problem with that is that if it's too easy to transfer money, then terrorism becomes easy because uh, then it, it's easy to filter money, and you you want. That's why the government's trying to monitor, you know, exchanges of a hundred dollars or more with mm -hmm. the IRS and yeah, stuff. Yeah, government's always on our side, right? <laughs> so you know, I think that if you had a system where you could just transfer money and it just you could touch it, Al Qaeda would be all over that. You know, um, I mean, I can't believe we still have terrorists in today's world. Yeah, I mean, you would thought you would think by now 
They'd all be gone. No. I mean... It's I'm, the most... It's the cheapest way of getting your point across. It's, it's terror. So <laughs> a few people, a relatively few people can paralyze the entire world with terror. And, you know, it's not a lasting situation because people will eventually overcome and get their bravery back. But for a short period of time, they think they've won mm-hmm. because they have. And, you know, if you look at our airports, the terrorists, in effect, won that round. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, because it it's hard to... Well, and then what's happening on the next round now, all the people are, are getting beat up. I mean, why is it every day there's another video of someone kicking a flight attendant's butt, breaking their nose? And right. I think their union is pushing for a, non, a no-fly list that's shared among carriers. So like, if you punch someone on United, you can't fly on American. Because right now, each airline has their own no-fly list. Oh, I see. So if you beat someone up on Spirit, you can get on Delta the next day. Yeah. No problem. But their union is pushing to make it where all of them share... The no-fly list. Yeah. So that if someone acts up, everybody knows about it. There's no more secrecy. Yeah. But, you know, I wonder where it would go from there. Yeah. Too much power. Right. They say that all animals are created equal, just some animals are more equal than others. What does that mean? So it's an interesting phrase. I was watching this TED Talk, and uh, I think his last name is Smith, and he was basically comparing um, culture and just the different countries and how we each deal with business and relaying information. And the idea is that like everyone's equal, like we're all the same, but we're not really. So I think what he was trying to say is that even though in the world today, it's supposed to be based on equality, it's just some ways of doing business are more accepted than others. Mm. And he was talking about like the disparity between like the Dutch and like the Chinese. So for example, when trying to work with a business internationally, there's different um, triangles basically of uh, management. So in the countries that are not as diverse, yeah, they'll have more of a flat triangle that might have just one or two levels of management. But in the bigger countries like United States or England and whatnot, they'll have like 10 rows of a, of a diamond or a triangle rather. Yeah. So what happens is they try to do business and because they have less rows that they can go to, for their information, the lower levels just kind of tell them well what they what they know because there's not all this upper bureaucracy. Right. And then on the other end, they think they're just lying. Because mm. they're like, how would you have that information so quickly? Like, don't you have to go through your superiors? I see. So, it just made me think of that. Yeah. But equality, I mean, it's... I don't know where we're going to go with it. I mean, we just ended uh, a pandemic. Yeah. Right before that, we had the Black Lives Matter riot. Right. What do you think is the next? Like, we just talked about terrorism. We had Me Too. Me Too, before that. Right. So what, if we had to speculate on what the next big controversy is going to be, 
is it going to be inflation? It's going to be a money thing. Um, it has to be a nationality thing. So, right, I know that Asians are getting a lot of... So, I know there's a big push to stop Asian hate. Mm-hmm. So, I think it has to be another nationality because we've already done the gender thing and there's only two genders. There's male and female. So, we've already covered all of the permutations of that. Mm-hmm. We've <clears throat> covered blacks. We've covered whites. We've covered women. We've cov- we, we haven't covered men in the sense of men being, having... Oh, maybe they're going to go after the older men. Older men. Older white men. Older white men. Maybe. Maybe that's the next big attack. You know, it's funny you brought up the, um, you know, the, you know, stop the violence against Asian. And another thing that I had read, actually, you know, Culturally, like if you're an immigrant from like Korea and you try to make like, let's say a liquor store in like Inglewood, okay, the culture in Korea is so different compared to the culture in Inglewood that you, the the Korean shop owners feel basically offended by the community. And the community is just doing what you do in that community. That's just how that community is. Right. So we're not saying Inglewood's a bad community. I'm saying Inglewood is Inglewood. Okay. And Inglewood has great people. Okay. But from a Korean immigrant standpoint, Inglewood is aggressive and antagonistic. Because in their culture, they're not talked to the same way. From on the defense of the people from Inglewood, they're used to getting service from their establishments. Right. They're used to getting greetings. Hi, how are you today? Thank you for coming in. Right. In the Korean culture, that isn't typical to give, hello, how are you doing? Thank you for coming in. Right. That's not a part of their culture. So on both sides, they feel... The other party's being rude yeah, because of their mannerisms. And that's why there's so much problems between Korean shop owners and patrons in that community. I see. Cultural, um, cultural antagonism. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and we have it, I mean, so much of it around us. You know? And that's why when we talk about the homeless and we go back to the book of questions, what would you do? If someone approached you, it would depend where you were. Yeah, community. and what time it is. You know what I mean? If it's at midnight, is it like 6 a.m.? You know what I mean? Like, For example, you were in the Topanga Mall. Right. Okay? Someone, uh, uh, whatever, a lady in her late 20s, early 30s. I forgot my purse. I lo- locked my keys in the car. You think I could get a few dollars? Can I use your cell phone? You know, whatever it is. Probably help her out, right? You're in the mall, not a big deal. Yeah. Right? Same situation, okay, but instead of being in the mall, you're just going to cross the street. So you're at the outside the mall, and it's evening, across the street's like Costco and, you know, that thing. Yeah. It's like 10 o'clock, and like a homeless person comes up to you, hey, I need some money, this and that. You're going to be kind of quicker to just get on with your way, you know, because you don't want to get into some kind of drama. I mean, 
so let me tell you this, right? Yeah. So, okay, so I'm a guard, and I let people in, and I have the discretion to write down their license plate or not. So basically say, like, you can pass, you know, you're, you're good to go, etc. If the car is dirty, and they're dressed a certain way, I have an instinct to stop them. I really do. Hmm. It's, it's really interesting that I don't treat everyone the same. If you're rich looking and you look like you belong, even though you're technically supposed to be written up the same way as everyone else, mm. I'm like, you're not a problem. Anyone could be a terrorist. As a matter of fact, they're more likely to be the terrorist right. than the person who's dressed like a bum. But <laughs> I find that my instinct kicks in and I find myself writing down people who have like dirty cars and they have like trash everywhere and yeah. yeah so it is interesting how if you change the scenario and you're inside a mall and it's a you know young woman and she's like oh hey can we please versus you're outside and you know what I'm saying yeah. it changes it so the question I guess is is that right or wrong well it's profiling so profiling through history has been correct, even though it's sometimes uh, unethical. But what I mean is, even though it's unethical, we culturally are based on stereotypes. So like if you ask somebody in another part of the world, you ask someone in England or whatnot, France, you know, whatever, what do they think of Americans? They're going to say big. They're going to say hamburger, right? Right. I'm saying it's a stereotype. So that's what we're doing is cross-culturally, we stereotype, okay, if you can't take care of your car, you have trash everywhere, you're probably going to do that to the neighborhood here. Right. right? So you're, you're automatically deferring what you see as into this is who you are. This is how you're representing yourself today. I have to take you at face value. I'm in charge of this neighborhood. You're coming in and you don't look like the normal people who come in here. Right. So you have to do that. That's even though it might be unethical. For example, if not only did you have the power to write down the license plate, but how about say you can't come in here until you wash your car and put gas in it. Right. If you could do that, you know, then you'd be you know, on this, on the, basically on the cusp of, of being like a tyrant. Because <laughs> <laughs> then the people who are like, I'm coming in here. Right. And I, you're not going to stop me. Right. Right. And now you got like all this, you know, they're coming back with their posse. Right. Exactly. You don't want to let us in. Oh, we're going to come in and burn it down. Right. I don't know why I use that accent. <laughs> I don't know. Don't judge me. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, this is Danny. This is John. And we'll see you next time. All right. Peace.